Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Talent Recruiter Podcast, where we interview successful recruiters to learn more about their journey, the obstacles they've overcome, and how you can model their approach to build your recruiting business. My name is Andrew Alex, and ladies and gentlemen, I get Scott Solari, our host. Andrew. And I am very excited for our episode this week because we have Micah DiSabato. He's a 15-year veteran recruiter at Morrissey Dart, specializing in medical device industry. Micah is perhaps one of two recruiters nationwide with a functional understanding of 3D printing in the medical device industry, especially those who have worked 3D printing into their functional manufacturing. Micah has placed engineers and quality professionals as well as C-suite executives nationally and internationally. Scott, I got through the whole bio without slipping over any words. Yeah. Micah has a lot of accolades. So tell me, what are all of our wonderful listeners going to learn from your interview with him? So they're going to learn um, how to identify your, your niche but then how to take it deep because a lot of a lot of people feel like they're going to a lot of recruiters out there feel like they're going to pigeonhole themselves, Andrew, um, if they go in a niche. But what Micah has told us and what he tells us in this interview is how to do it, how to go deep, how to build relationships with other businesses that really suit that niche. And it's, it's impressive. Then he also talks about how to reevaluate yourself every year and identify what type of companies you've been working with and your niche could change a little bit based on improvements in technology, um, just things that are happening within the industry as, uh, you know, as technology changes over time. So it's a, it's a great interview and you're going to learn a lot if you're looking for that. That sounds really interesting. I'm actually looking forward to it. So let's go right ahead and jump into the interview. We'll check back in with you after that. Micah, thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate it. It's my honor. So Micah, tell me, tell me how you got into the recruiting space. You know, give me a little bit of history about, you know, how you started and and where you've gotten to today. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of funny. I don't think anybody ever grows up wanting to be a recruiter, right? So yeah, we all have our interesting path. I was working as a vice president of sales for a steel company doing uh, predominantly inside-based sales for our organization, a lot of the same skills utilized in recruiting. And my wife was completing graduate school and actually working as a a researcher and and, uh, junior recruiter for a a, uh, recruiting office in the Management Recruiters International Network. And she realized that there were some people in recruiting making a little bit more money than I was doing in the steel industry and had a little shorter hours and thought I'd be pretty good at it. And we took those behavioral-based uh, tests to see if, you, if you'd fit or not with a couple of offices. And they thought I was a slam dunk. I was an ex-college football player, real aggressive, loved the phones, loved the, loved the talk. I'm naturally outgoing. So it seemed to be a, a great fit. So in 2001, I got, got into recruiting, uh, joined an office that, that was uh, an accounting and finance office. They, they focused in recruiting accounting and finance in the manufacturing world. And I learned real quick, I was good at recruiting, but I despised accounting and finance. And that uh, led me on a path to, to decide to try to niche for the first time and find an industry within accounting and finance and within manufacturing that was was one that was growing um, and one I enjoyed. And I got into the medical device space. So tell me a little bit about how you were able to identify 
like what you were good at and what and like what you weren't or what you didn't like and what you liked and like how you're able to identify that that because I think that's a lot of you know a lot of the recruiters out there have that issue of not really knowing how to pick a niche or or identifying with a niche and really to go deep on it and they're working too many general areas. Yeah. That's a great question, you know, and, and it's kind of funny. It's something that I think is important as a recruiter to reassess, you know, maybe every other year or reassess as, as technology changes and industries change and, and momentums and trends change. And based on where your, your, your clients have given you different jobs and stretched you as often happens in areas that you, you don't plan on initially getting stretched. So it's an exercise I've done re- repeatedly quite a few times over the last 15 years. You know, I guess the first thing I'd say is, you know, you know, and I hate the term, what are you passionate about? But I'd really say, what do you, what do you love? What do you enjoy? You know, what, what kind of people do you like to talk to? You know, if you, if you find yourself at a party and there's, there's all different types of individuals that, that you're not familiar with, you know, where do you end up gravitating and what kind of conversations do you have there? You know, for me, a lot of that is, is, is business, is technology, is process improvement. That, that's just kind of inbred in, in who I am and where my personal interests are. Um, I've got family in the medical field. Have always, I, I went to a college that was, almost everyone in my college and fraternity were, were engineers. I was the, the, the rare bird that wasn't. So I'm used to communicating with those kinds of people. Um, you know, the manufacturing space made a lot of sense. My first job out of college was, was going into factories and selling highly uh, integrated and specialized packaging equipment. Um, so I liked manufacturing. I liked talking to design and development engineers. Um, so it was pretty easy for me to say, okay, at that time, 2001, uh, 9-11 hits, the entire co- economy starts to go in a, t- in, in a downturn. And honestly, what I did almost by default was I, I went on at the time monster.com and I typed in accounting and I wanted to look just for companies that had a ton of openings. You know, they didn't have one or two openings. Maybe they had a dozen openings. I wanted to see if there were any patterns in industries throughout, hopefully here in the Midwest, I live in Ohio, um, that potentially I can infiltrate. And I found two companies that had massive needs in that area. My intent again was not to stay in accounting, but to go and do a great job, teach them who I am, show them how I do business, and then beg for positions after I've earned the right outside of accounting and finance. And that's exactly what I did. So I got in MedDevice. They they real quick gave me a lot of leadership roles outside of accounting and finance. We worked for a couple of positions, placed a couple GMs and presidents with them, a couple VPs in manufacturing and, and engineering, uh, slowly got into quality as that became a big issue in 2008 and 2009, but still staying in that medical device space so, so what I found all of a sudden was you, you've got all these candidates that you're recruiting for, for this, this major account. And that's really kind of what I initially focused in was developing this major account. So then the question is, where do you take them, right? What is that niche? How do, how do you reuse the individuals that you have worked so hard to gather? And, and for me, the natural, uh, I guess, progression of that, that niche process was to focus in, in the orthopedic space in precision machining, focusing in engineering, manufacturing, and operations leadership. So that that, that kind of came to be the second evolution of that niche. Um, what's amazing is, is you know, I see, I kind of reassess things every couple of years. 
you find where trends are, you know, and everybody for a long time, I, I think it's probably been five, six, seven years, we've been hearing about 3D printing really being something that's going to revolutionize our country and manufacturing, but it's it's not taken off as quickly as, as one might have thought initially. Uh, and, and we have seen and found an even further niche within the manufacturing uh, space to work with companies in the medical device industry that are utilizing not just 3D printing and prototyping, almost everybody uses plastic 3D printing and prototyping, but I focus on companies using DMLS uh, printing, direct major, uh, metal laser sintering printing or additive manufacturing in day-to-day -day manufacturing. It's been really exciting for me because it's it initially hasn't grown from the big companies. In, in, in all sincerity, I think some of the biggest companies are the, the slowest to get into the technology. It started with contract manufacturers, with some small startups, with some really cool, exciting organizations working at a fast pace, exactly what you want as a recruiter. Um, but again, I can leverage those, those process improvement engineering specialists that we have coming out of a precision machining background in the medical device industry. So for me, that progression has moved very smoothly. Um, you know, as, as, as you take a, a step further and once you realize that 3D printing has, has a major foothold in day-to-day -day manufacturing in the orthopedic world and in, um, in, in the medical device industry, the next logical question is, is getting things approved with the FDA. And that takes you into regulatory affairs. So we've done a little bit in that area as well. That's something that we're, we're slowly working in. That's kind of how we've, we've traversed that, that niche question. Um, I guess the other piece of it for me was maybe looking at things a little further. I have always been really strong with business development, uh, developing customer relationships. And if there's an area individually where I've struggled, sometimes it's been on, on the recruiting side. So I decided to niche myself uh, online on my LinkedIn profile. And I guess for a long time, I actually even had it on business cards as, as the medical device industry's premier talent agent. And the thought behind that was I want to be candidate niched. You know, this is becoming a candidate-driven market on a daily basis. It's only going to get right. worse as the baby boomers continue to retire. C candidates are our key to our, our future as recruiters. And I wanted to be one, if I'm a talent agent, if I'm someone that is going to help someone guide their career, if I'm going to be their Jerry Maguire helping them find interviews, find companies, negotiate salaries, what better way to niche myself within that that space. So that's something that I did do that's paid tremendous dividends uh, for me further as a recruiter. So I want to jump back to something you said earlier. You said every every couple of years you reassess kind of maybe where you're at, where the industries that you're working in are at, you know, what direction maybe they're going and and how you can probably maximize what you're doing best and who you're working with best. Tell me Tell me a little bit more in depth about the, the process you take when you actually do do a reassessment. I think that's going to be um, very helpful for anyone that's listening about, you know, what things you look at and, and how you approach continuing to learn and dive into this very niche uh, sector that you're in. Sure. No, every year, you know, my, my, my process has been Thanksgiving weekend. 
when, when you got an extra day or two off of work to do your annual, start to work on your annual business plan for the coming year. And I'm really, really passionate about doing an annual business plan, really uh, doing a strong self-assessment at that time. And, and one of the things that I've always looked at has been, you know, what positions are you, regardless of where you're niched, you know, where is the activity, right? Because we all like to say what we want to be, but the truth's in the pudding. So, so where are you actually getting openings? Where are you seeing increases in demand? Where are you seeing decreases in demand? Um, you know, what niches within your, your skill set are those being focused in? For me, over the years, what's transpired as well is a lot of hiring managers that we've worked with change companies. So maybe they go from an orthopedic company to a cardiovascular company or, or another area of the medical device space, or maybe something completely out of medical device. And they call you and they want you to help them. You know, it's making that, that, that internal uh, decision and, and assessment of if it's worth your time to, to step out of your niche, or maybe there's a new niche you can step into. And we did that with cardiovascular. That, that's a little area that we work in as well, quite extensively. Um, so I think it's looking at your history. I think it's looking at your average fees. I think it's looking at, you know, quite honestly, what your time to fill is, you know, looking at all the matrix, you know, is, is it getting easier or harder to find individuals? Um, we're constantly monitoring within the industry those exact same things, not just within my company and my on my team, um, you know, where the openings are, but it, it is is a nation where where is that headed? There have been a lot of shifts, for goodness sakes, um, you know, over my, my 15 years, and it's just trying to keep an eye on those, staying ahead of the curve. Um, I think it's also about having those strategic uh, conversations with your hiring managers, your strategic business partners, those key opinion leaders you go to in the field for advice, for, for referrals. Those are the individuals that can generally help me because they know so much more about this than I do. Um, you know, that, that's, that's been very helpful to me over the years. Yeah. Yeah, of course, you know, turning to someone that's paved the path before mentors or people that uh, work specifically maybe even in the, the niche that you've been able to uh, partner with or, or work with um, <clears throat> to help you kind of make those decisions on, on which d direction things may be going. Right. Absolutely. No, without a doubt. You know, and, and there are so many people in this industry, even just within recruiting, that are smarter than me. And they've done this before. They've had all the headaches and stuff. And, you know, I, I think it's key to find a mentor, to talk with, with you know, small groups of people in your niche that are successful recruiters. They're people that at times I turn to to help me with searches if we're ever struggling. Uh, but also just from an emotional standpoint, they can help you when you have those days where you get kicked in the teeth. Um, they can help you with new technology that might have found. My goodness, that technology has changed so much um, over my career recruiting. You know, it, it's, it's uh, you know, you don't have to rewrite things. The wheel's already been invented. It's just kind of finding people that have done it well and helping bend what you do in your own way with, with that information that helps you. You know, I don't want to sound exactly like you, but if there's something that you're doing that's successful, how can I make that work for me? That's kind of the way I always assess it. Yeah. So, so you just mentioned something again. Um, you know, with you know, you're in a very progressive industry that's constantly changing, and I and I know there's a lot of industries out there like that. How are you, you know, how are you staying on top of the new technologies and identifying when something new is coming to the market? How that may change 
the candidates that you're looking for or the companies that you're looking to uh, help, you know, place candidates to. Um, like, how are you keeping an eye on that? How are you staying up with that? Great, great question. So one of the things that I did early on, and this is something I would recommend to every recruiter, if when you when you kind of get over that hump and decide this is not a job, this is going to be a career. If you haven't started a LinkedIn group, you need to do so. You know, when I when I first kind of got to that point in time where I was like, all right, we're going to really make this happen. I, I, I didn't know how to how to start a group, didn't know what to do. I felt real stupid. And I started a group for the heck of it. You, you bulk email candidates. And before you know it, it becomes this growing, moving, breathing beast of its own with with discussions between a lot of colleagues that, that you know real well, a lot of acquaintances you, you don't know well, but you're getting to know. Um, it's been a huge tool for me. We've got almost uh, just shy of 10,000 members at Medical Device Premier Talent on LinkedIn. Feel free to join if, if you haven't joined. Um, that's been great for me. You know, certainly we read a lot of trade uh, trade publications, um, belong to to a number of groups where you go to trade shows. Um, you know, I, I think the key is constantly asking those questions of your your hiring managers. You know, what challenges are you going to be different in the next next quarter or the next year than than you saw in the last quarter of the last year? You know, and that's a great kind of discussion to be able to have because not only is it going to help you from a strategic staffing standpoint, understanding where their needs are going to be, but also from an industry standpoint. And, and I, I think that's where it's really been able to help me the most is having those those strong business to business discussions with the, the movers and shakers in the industry that we have the joy of speaking with on a daily basis. Yeah, that's that's great. So, I mean, that, you know, having that. Um having that group and it being your group, right? And being able to, to see uh, and control, I guess, uh, and identify the content um, and the candidates and the ones that stand out. I mean, that's, that's puts you in a really good position of, of leverage to be able to do your job at a high level and maximize what you're trying to do, right? It is. No, it's been a, it's been a great, great tool for us. And it's helped in self-branding and self-marketing. It, it's really helped in a lot of things, but particularly from the knowledge standpoint that, that you asked about it. It's been, it's been huge in helping continually educate me. Right. Um, so I guess my, you know, my last question would be, um, you know, if someone's, you know, looking to really go deep, like you have, um, you know, what's, I know that we kind of talked about this, you know, finding your purpose, and you said you hate, hate using that term, but let's say that they're, they've realized that they've been working on certain accounts. Um, what, what do you think would be the, the biggest next step for them to, to really take that, that big push into going down, you know, and getting very targeted and, and specific with what they want to do? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great question, you know, and, and no matter how good I feel I am at times, it's constantly a challenge for me, you know, and, and, and to me, the, the, the people who have been most successful in this business, the, those people that I, I hope to grow up and be like someday are the people that have been able to find a, a very narrow niche, a funnel where they become the niche experts 
where if they get an opening, whether it's on the East Coast, the West Coast, the, the Midwest, or the Deep South, they, they already know when they take the opening where those, who the movers or shakers are that they're going to call for referrals, um, what, what companies are, are laying off, which companies are hiring. And then most importantly, after they successfully place the, fill the search, where can they, what companies can they take all those additional people to that they have uh, not successfully placed? You know, and, and if you can do that, then you've got a niche that is going to pay itself off tenfold. So find something that you're interested in, find something where there's a demand, find something where you can differentiate yourself, and find something that you can make repetitive. So you're not having to, to start from scratch with every search, that you can utilize your, your database, you can utilize your network, that you can talk like an expert and, and become... A, a reference to the movers and shakers in the industry that start calling you to ask you, what do you see happening? Because when I get those inbound calls, that's where things get really exciting. And it's fun and you feel valued. And heaven forbid, we then get first chance at those searches. So it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. That's the challenge that I think we all have continually, but certainly that's, that's where I push myself and I, I would recommend anyone getting into the business. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Scott, I really enjoyed this interview. I want to thank you again, and I really want to thank Micah DiSabato for his time donating all of his knowledge and sharing it with all of our wonderful listeners. I, I have to say, I really took away from this one, you know, the focus on education. I mean, generally. I mean, finding that niche and really, you know, diving deep into it, finding a mentor who's going to teach you and and take you down to that deep level because once you're in that specialization, you can leverage that for your business. I mean, we talked about it in his bio, you know, how he's one of the very few people who can handle the nuances of the field that he trades in. And because of that, you get to separate yourself from the competition. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. You're 100% correct. He's gone so deep with this. He's learned from the people that work within the industry. He's put himself out there and now he's a specialist, like you said. And one of the things I loved was how he talked about, you know, being self-aware and stepping back and reassessing because, you know, clients and companies that you work with are going to stretch you into different places that you haven't gone before and assessing each year where you're at and what type of companies and candidates that you're working with and, and pushing yourself forward. I, I, I love it. And I think it's just a, a great, great strategy that a lot of recruiters out there need to, to focus on. And it's all about educating yourself and being willing to to take the time to learn so that you can be that expert. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Really helpful, I think. And with that, uh, we are just about to wrap it up. But Scott, you have one more thing to tell our wonderful listeners. Yeah. So if anyone is looking to learn how to do this type of education to get out there and be the expert, they need to reach out to me, Scott at getviral.com. V-Y is in yellow, R-A-L.com. And we'd be more than happy to get on the phone with you and help you out. Perfect. Sounds good to me. With that, again, thank you, Micah Sabato, for your time. Thank you, as always, to our wonderful listeners. My name is Andrew Alex. And I'm Scott Solari. And we'll see all of you next week on the Entrepreneurial Talent Recruiter Podcast. Take care. <laughs>